Good day and welcome to Theology in the Dirt. At Theology in the Dirt, we want to practice our theology in the public square of our homes, our city, and our world. And we record Theology in the Dirt from the headquarters of Global Impact Restoration Rome, where we work to address the foster care and adoption crisis in northwest Georgia, the state of Georgia, the southeast, and the world as a practice of our theology in the public square. My name is Mitchell Jolly. And Chris Hayes. What's up, y'all? Thanks for hanging out with us. We appreciate it. I don't know about you, but every time we start, and I have a song queued up. I want to keep listening to it, and I want to keep listening to Thunderstruck. <laughs> Unfortunately, it makes me think of Thor. <laughs> <laughs> it does it makes me think of Thor too. But it's time for us to get to a little breaking news. Well, it's uh, Theology in the Dirt time, and uh, we always want to start out with a little bit of breaking news, and uh, the news I have is a little bit of follow-up from last week, and that is that uh, the Biden administration finally gave the order to shoot down the Chinese spy balloon, and the crazy thing is now there is word that there have been more Chinese spy balloons. This isn't the first one. Uh, At the same time, there appeared to be one drifting from the Pacific side of our continent, uh, across Mexico, places there. Um, one, of course, that came across the United States. And then the news started being about multiple Chinese spy balloons during the Trump administration, which I found fishy. It's like, yeah. rather than acknowledge this is a spy balloon, and why didn't we pick up on a balloon? It's not talking, we know there are satellites. You know, we know that's going on. but Spycraft. Right. But... Now it's oh let's blame this happened for happened to Trump, so it's not new for us. So it's kind of like yeah, shifting stuff. But they finally shot it down. And what I found absolutely hilarious was a meme somebody put on of some dude looked like redneck dude looking up in the sky in a bottle, like he's trying to throw a bottle, and the woman down there with the gun, like what it's going to look like when they pass over East Tennessee. That made me laugh. Somebody's going to shoot it down, but all the fun people have with it, but the fact that the Biden administration decided to shoot it down and now they're trying to recover uh, and they are recovering the balloon and some of the components and likely have already transmitted what they were looking for. But I find it interesting that uh, rather than shoot it down, at a non-populated place, which I'm sure they can figure the trajectory of a falling object from the sky and make it fall somewhere where it's not populated and go get it rather than in the ocean. But, hey, at least they shot it down. But there's apparently been more and sort of ratcheted up some of the uh, tensions between People's Republic of China and the United States. Yeah, the Internet's undefeated. So like when you got stuff like that, the memes and the the GIFs or GIFs, if you – you know, like the wrong way to say it, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not peanut butter, right? It's not, it's not, <laughs> it's a gif. It, they're, you know, they're all funny. There's just, you sent me one that was hilarious. The, the, one of my favorites was if you've ever seen the movie Joe Dirt and he's riding around in a big balloon, yes. like people are like zooming in on the spy balloon, like, Oh, it's Joe Dirt. It's fine. But <laughs> right. you know, it was, it was kind of the U S government to wait till it traversed the entire country, getting very all kind. of its information before they shot it down. It was, it was very, very kind. I appreciate it was a very gentle act. Yes. You know, so we don't want to, we don't want to shoot it down too soon. We don't want to re- respect their spy capabilities. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. It was just interesting. The political move maneuvering, 
and I hate to even use because we're, we're going to talk about it, I hate to use the word political maneuvering, but that's the language of political move maneuvering to uh, shift from Biden to Trump. You blame everything on Trump, and so I'm yeah. I'm not saying I'm I'm not the biggest Trump advocate. I'm just saying. I think it's interesting that you can shift the narrative to, oh, Trump Trump didn't do anything about it. They knew this is yeah. not the first spy balloon to come over the United States. And then my question is, it's a balloon. We're not talking about like a high-tech U-2 spy plane. Like we have the, the U-2, which is from the 60s, 50s, no, 50s, I think, was the U-2 Cold War spy plane. We're not talking about this high-tech, high-flying SR-71 Blackbird in the stratosphere taking mm-hmm. snapshots. It's a weather balloon. Right. With some technology attached to it that you and me could have probably put together a weather yeah. balloon and put some helium in it and flew it up somewhere and and I, I, just so many questions. Why weather balloon? What are you trying to do? It feels almost like it's uh, we penetrated your airspace with a weather balloon. It feels I don't know. It feels bad <laughs> in yeah. that sense, right? It's like if you got us with some high tech spy junk, it's like ooh James Bond, but. Right, a balloon. Yeah, and does. look what we did with a balloon. That's the way it feels. I don't know. I don't know. I probably need to stop because I can get down some dark, dark holes. Is it true? Like, I need to ask this question: Is this like a internet junk, or is it true that China is buying farmland in the United States? I keep seeing this. I keep hearing politicians refer to the Chinese buying farmland in the United States. Like, is Chris? I mean, I'm legitimately asking: Is that happening, or am I in the dark? Are people lying to us, or is that really going on? You know, it's hard to believe anything these days. I, I think it probably, there probably is truth to that. Like, that would not surprise me. I guess that's my answer to that. I, I can't verify that because I haven't seen any. Well, in, but, in, in your real estate, like, it, I guess that's a commercial transaction. Right. If you're selling some farmland, aren't you aware of who you're selling it to? And surely it's not like some representative of the People's Republic of China is showing up and going, oh, I want to buy this land. And somebody's going, sure, let me sell you this land. I, surely it's more complicated than that. Right. We'd like to put a military base in Adairsville, Georgia. Would you, you know, there are a lot of like Eastern countries, though, that do have own businesses that have plants and offices right here down the street from us. Correct. Because it's not expensive land. Right. So like that Adairsville, Calhoun, you know, where I work and up to Dalton, like that whole 75 stretch, there's more and more companies buying stuff. Now I'm not saying, I think most of them are legit, but, but it wouldn't surprise me if like there was some kind of affront for, you know, to, or to be able to bring, you know, people over here. Sure. So it's it's kind of that finding that balance between conspiracy theory and not being naive. Yeah, right. Because, because the unfortunate thing is there are some legitimate, it's just a conspiracy theory. It's stuff that, gets clicks and then there's stuff that turns out to just be fact yeah like you the whole project mk ultra and the tuskegee experiment in south alabama with the united states government um injecting um an entire population of african americans in south alabama with syphilis to see how it affected people like after stuff gets declassified you hear stories oh that never happened never happened and that's that's great and and then you find out it happened right so i wanted to that was real and 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 so you you hear this stuff and you go, what is true and what is untrue? And so with spy balloons and the Chinese buying farmland, Bill Gates buying farmland, part of me goes like, how do you verify this stuff? Right. And and if this is true, why? Like, what is happening? And has it always been happening? And news is just so readily available. And information is so quickly available, like it's as fast as a tweet. 
mm-hmm. that we're just bombarded. Yeah. We used to have to wait for a newspaper to come out and stories. There was a cycle yeah. of news and it hit you slower. Now it's like 10,000 pieces of information at one time. You don't know what to believe. I, yeah. I mean, I truly find myself going, I don't know what to believe. I, I agree. It's, it's scary stuff. And you know, it's just, it's just hard. That's the hardest part now. And, it's hard. I don't know that I can believe anything. Right. You know, there's a very select few yeah. that I believe anymore. Yeah. And I, I think this is part of one of our challenges when we talk about news as a Christian and we talk about the Christian life and we're going to talk about today government, uh, the role of government, what politic, the role of politics inside government, what is all that. Um, I think part of that is how do we cycle through, how do we filter our information and um, and, and how do we transcend that? That's probably another podcast, but just comes up as we talk about the news. What is the news? What's a good source of news? Yeah. We've talked about that before, but it, it, it there's a continual bombardment of information. We have to make discerning choices on what we believe and what we don't believe. Yeah. What you got, brother? So mine is not breaking. This happened a few weeks ago. Uh, there was a story of a six-year-old boy who brought a gun to school and shot his teacher in Virginia. Have you heard this story? Yes. I, I bring it up not because it's breaking news, but I've been following it, and it's just fascinating, not in a good way, of all the things that have happened. And so for those who don't know, again, a six-year-old boy brings a gun to school, um, shoots his teacher, his first-grade teacher. Um, Thankfully, she has survived. She was critical, but she has survived. Not only that, somehow after being shot, she was able to get all of the other students out of the room. Wow. And and no one else was hurt. Now – if, if the six-year-old shooting and their teacher is not shocking enough for you, there are now multiple reports. So this happened towards the end of the day when he actually shot her. So he had the whole gun the whole day through. At least three, maybe four different teachers and staff members told administration that they had heard from a student or had heard something that he had a gun. Wow. Including one time where he sh- apparently sh- – because one teacher took it upon herself to actually check his book bag – but he was at recess. He had taken the gun with him in his pocket, loaded to recess, and had showed another student. Like, wow. and if you tell anybody, I'm going to shoot you. Is what the reports say. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying what has been reported. I don't want to, sure, you know, assume anything. Not only that, it came out yesterday that this. Not only so, a couple of days before, he took this teacher's phone and broke it, and like threw it down, broke it, was suspended for one day. He also has a history of hitting other students with his belt, like whipping them with a belt, and he once choked a teacher to where she was almost not breathing. How old is this kid? This kid is six. Six years old. Six years old. Holy cow. The gun was registered. It was owned by his parents, and, and they're, I think, going to probably be facing some um, penalty because you can't, what do you do? You can't arrest a six-year-old or put a six-year-old in jail. Right. And there are laws in Virginia. I was reading through some of that. Like they, Even the police officer who's in charge, like the – captain or whatever his role is is like you know we don't there's not a playbook here like we don't know like we're all trying to figure all this out too wow and so it's just fast i bring it up because obviously you know my wife's a teacher and this continues to happen i mean i had a school shooting in my high school back in 1999 when wow. i was junior year it was a one month to the day after columbine nobody died so it wasn't as big news but you know the safety and of our students but and now teachers too like it's just right, right. It's, it's scary stuff it is. It is scary stuff. But for a six-year-old, I got my daughter seven, and she would have no clue what to do with with a gun. So I'm th- this is a six-year-old who not only brought one to school, but aimed it properly, fired it, you know, correctly. Right. Hit his target. Yeah. 
and, and and planned it. Like this wasn't like accidental. Yeah, this is this was this is premeditated, right? Yeah, that's and they've confirmed that he definitely brought it there with that intention to do that. That, that <clears throat> so many questions because yeah. six years old, like yeah, six years old because you can hear uh, yeah. There's so many questions. How did how this kid at six years old? That's very advanced. Well, and also a lot how going on. there is a lot going on. So and yeah, it makes you wonder all about that. But also makes you wonder like in this day and age, as an administration, as a principal's assistant principals, how can you take anything, any rumor like that, and not number one call the police? At right. least do your due diligence. Yeah, you know, I, I feel like they like you, you as a being in charge of that school, you are accountable to keep your children safe no matter what the rumor is. Right. If somebody throws a bomb threat, you follow the proper procedures even right. if it's even if you don't believe it. Right. And this but this wasn't just one random like, hey, I think he's got a gun. This was three or four times mm. through the day and then it got all the way to the end of the day and then wow. he ended up pulling the trigger. That's crazy. That's insane. So it yeah, they were aware and did nothing. That that's yeah, that I'm that I'm I'm speechless. Like I, I can't even. I remember hearing that story, but to hear some of those details makes me. Gosh, I have so many questions. Yeah, because because you you, you can see the need for heightened awareness, um, and and vigilance, um, but not acting on intelligence, because the flip side of that is true too. You, you get kids getting unnecessary punishment for stupid things, but then you get situations like this where. You're, the heightened awareness was present. Like they, they knew they just didn't act. Yeah. It's like, where's this line of not acting and acting and overacting, overreaching. And right. cause both are happening and, and it's, and, and it's like, what is happening? <laughs> and you don't want to pass it off. There are solutions to that. It's just like, we're, it feels like we're in this period of time and I don't know if it's been this way, or if COVID just pulled the covers back emotionally and mentally on people, but we're in pendulum swings. There's no happy center anywhere yeah. of wisdom and reason and logic of acting on information, not overacting. It's gone. It's like shooting people in the chest or arresting people for looking at each other funny. And it's like, well, what is happening here? And, and it just feels really out of control. Well, that teacher is suing, and I'll be honest, she's got every right to. Absolutely. I mean, of course. they could have pre- prevented that. They could have totally prevented that. Absolutely. They knew. They knew the kid had a gun mm-hmm. and did nothing. Yeah. A true true story, I remember um, second grade, um, the boys got airsoft pistols and airsoft guns for Christmas, and it was <laughs> – early back to school and uh, got a phone call. Mr. Jolly, I need you to come over to the school. Daniel has a gun. I was like, oh, no. Because we got a lot of guns in the house. They're right. safe. Yeah. But also, my kids are resourceful. <laughs> and and I, my hunch is, and I was like, oh, gosh. It, like, gun, gun. Goes, well, I think it's an airsoft. It's a lady. She didn't know airsoft. It, it's it does. It's got the orange tip on it. I don't think it's a real gun. And I breathe this sigh of relief, but at the same time, I'm going, my kid took a gun to school, and so well, go yeah, to the school. Boys, boys, like right. for him, he never thought. Yeah, no, I go to the but, school and they and they have the gun, and we're like, "What are you doing?" He goes, 
I just want to show my friend what I got for Christmas. And I was like, that's good. That's good. But please don't ever do that ever again. Not even uh-huh. a toy one. Like you cannot do that. You cannot do that. And so, so it's like you got, you got kids who do goofy stuff like that all the time uh-huh. and get away. But then you got this real situation. Kid brought a real gun to school with the murderous murder one intent of shooting his teacher. Last funny story to try to make a light of it, but I got suspended from my school bus in high school for three days because I had one of those. It was like a pocket knife that was shaped like a foot. You remember those kind of, it was like yeah. a keychain, and it had like a little inch and a half little bitty knife and like a nail file on it, Yeah, which I never really thought. Like something like I, I think I won in like a, one of those little quarter yeah. vending machine kind of things Yeah, and just happened to be on my keychain. Never thought no. twice about it. This was before the actual shooting happened, so it was sure. less... It was before any of those were big, right. but yeah. still, I mean, this is probably 90, 97, 98, but, um, yeah, but I got, and then, you know, the principal who went to my church was like kind of laughing at it. He's like, he, cause he knew me. He's like, yeah. I've never, I've never been in trouble like at school, like in my right. life. Like not right. that I was, you know, a goody two shoes, but I just never got in trouble really. Yeah. Um, and so I got suspended from the bus, and so which means I got a free ride to school for, with my parents for three days because they had to follow the law, which I was yeah. fine with. It was just it was kind of more embarrassing because some kid saw it and told on me on the school right. bus. Jerk. Well, the, in these <laughs> jerk, <laughs> well, in these instances, it worked. Right, teacher saw something, teacher acted. Right, yeah. it's like so. Apply that to this situation. You see, some, let's act. Let's pull this kid out. Pull him into. Let's let's call his parents. We're hearing this. And, and deal with it. Yeah. So, like, you get suspended for a fingernail file, tiny, you know, and Daniel has to go home. He's in trouble. <laughs> he prays there soft. But we caught it, right? Yeah. And something that was harmless, but here's something very harmful. Didn't get caught. Gosh, so many questions. Yeah, So indeed. many questions. Well, that's your news. Now it's time. Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your Attention, please. It's time for the final countdown. The show starts in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, Thank you, big boys, for the introduction. Today we're talking about the Christian life, and particularly today we want to talk about the Christian life and its intersection, its role in government, and particularly how government plays itself out with politics. So government and politics, it seems very relevant for us right now in history um, as technology, um, economy, economics, um, the reality of a global integrated system uh, causes the interaction between governments. And um, what is a Christian's understanding of government, its purpose? Um, w- w- because we hear this term politics a lot. You know, I don't talk about politics. Don't. Um, it's they're playing politics, mm-hmm. and I think. These words deserve some definition. Yeah. What is government? And particularly what is politics? 
And so when I talk about when you think about government, um, first thing I the first thing I I have to think about as a Christian is my first thought is um, government simply means the the governing the oversight the management of um, and particularly I I think about what what I see in the Bible in regard to God creating and creating systems uh, that He oversees. Mm-hmm. Um, God spoke into existence um, everything. We believe as Christians, he, he spoke into existence from nothing, everything. The term's ex nihilo, so from nothing. Uh, there was nothing uh, other than God, and then God spoke, and it came into being. So he spoke from nothing, all that was. And then he ordered it. He brought order out of it. He oversaw it um, with his word, with his communication. He brought order. And in that order, he created systems, and in those systems, he oversaw them and sustained them. In fact, uh, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15 to 20, 12-ish, down to 20, tells us that he sustains by the word of his power. Like He creates through Jesus, the eternal Son of God. He creates and he sustains. He upholds all things by the word of his power. So, so God's government is his creation of, his oversight of, and his sustaining of things. And so for me, that's where the definition of government begins. Um, creation of, systems creation, and oversight and management of, sustaining. Um, historically, that's worked itself out into republics, democracies, democratic republics, oligarchies, monarchies, um, Islamic republics, um, representative democracies. There are multiple forms of instituting systems and management and oversight. And so that's kind of, a for me, a beginning place of what government is and its rootedness in the nature and character of God. Now, I recognize for some people that starts to break down because you're living in a world where some people deny the existence of God, be naturalism. And so therefore, for them, government is a creation of man. And as a Christian, I'm going to start with government is a function of God that God hands off to his co-regents, his image bearers, humans, to fulfill in the earth. So my first belief as a Christian is government begins with God, and it is a stewardship of creation of mankind, create an image of God to then take and institute in the earth. Genesis one twenty six to thirty, uh, twenty six to twenty eight gives us the creation cultural mandate. God blessed them. He gave them the image of Himself, physically and immaterially, and their task was to rule over, govern creation. Mm-hmm. And so government starts there for me. And yeah. so how that gets itself worked out practically from there, I think what's good? That's the question. So that's where I'm beginning with government. Yeah, I think that's I think that's a great place to start. I mean, right there at creation, he created Adam and Eve and gave them rule and dominion over the resources of the earth, the inhabitants of the earth, the, the animals, the plants, the um, every aspect of it, but he also gave them a rule to live by. And it only started with one rule, but it was still like, here's here's how you do this. Here's how you govern. Here's how you have dominion over it. Here's what you can do. Here's what not to do. Right. Plain and simple. Yeah. Um, you know, we see it again, you know, many, many years later with, with 
Moses and, and brings the people out and uh, we'll, we'll, you know take commandments that we consider kind of our rule. Um, there's more than that, but just yeah. from a generic from a generic standpoint, that's kind of where a lot of that started back in the creation. So I think that's the right place to begin, and then we look at kind of what government is today, and we ask the question like, what is the role of government? Yeah. So I kind of just I, so that got me thinking. Well, what is the role of government by design? What is it supposed to be? Right. You know, we are a, a, a society that's based off a constitution. So here I'm just going to read the exact words yeah. of what the purpose of the government is, and it's right there in the preamble. It says, "We, the people of the United States, in order to form form a more perfect union, establish justice, ensure domestic tranquility, provide for the common defense, promote the general welfare, and secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves." And our posterity do ordain and establish this constitution for the United States of America. So right there kind of lays out what this is what it was intended to be. What I think the problem nowadays is in social media and Internet, all that has kind of really made this what it is. Also, the two party system. And that's probably another thing on itself. I just I think that's kind of ridiculous that we have a two party system. Right. That are highly biased and all about their own agendas as opposed to what's. When we use words like general welfare, right. <laughs> like I don't believe anything either side says right. that they really consider that. But furthermore, I think just that role of government has also become now it's become its own religion. Mm. And I think that's the scary part to me is it's become this. Well, we're going to now tell you what to believe about morality and about gender, which we talked about last week and right. about things like that and about, you know, life and and yeah. death, and it's, it's it's more than just a governing system of rules to live by. It's now like we're gonna we're gonna instill government into every aspect of life. And if you don't believe this way, yeah, then you're a racist or you're right. you know this and that. We start coming up names with for it, and it's just yeah, it's not a fun place to be. That's why I you typically avoid the topic, but I'm glad we're covering it because it makes me think. Well, as a Christian, how do I? approach this topic with other people with yeah. believers with non-believers yeah and then what are my own views about them and how do they dictate how i respond absolutely that's that's perfect and, and i think what we have to begin to do is is as americans particularly is not so much speak about i mean we live here and we have to make application here um and i love my country i'm a patriot i think you can be a christian i think you can be a patriot i don't think those two are mutually exclusive um I think as a Christian and a patriot, though, we have a responsibility to critique um, where we live because we're all fallen. But I think part of our task as Christians is to transcend even our own context and and deal with what is government's job. Mm-hmm. I mean, you get through the narrative of the Bible, and what you see in the beginning is God's a God of order, Um He's for human flourishing. He created everything for humans to flourish. Um, there was oversight that was needed. He told them to multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. And so there's a component of as soon as you start multiplying people, there are natural laws that dictate how they function together. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we see in the progression of the narrative of Scripture is the more people increased, the more order was needed. And it got so big that Moses' father-in-law had to come tell him, hey, dude, you're doing too much. You need to appoint people over thousands, hundreds, and fifties. And you need to you need to um, equip them to manage all these things. And you, 
you oversee them and you let them oversee all these legal cases. And then you have inside that God laying down some 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 rules for for governance. Like he he gave them laws that govern uh and put boundaries around their religious expression. Mm-hmm. Like this is how you worship me. I'm 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 God. I'm the unique God of creation. Don't worship other gods, worship me, and here's how you do that. And 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 by the way, you mentioned the Ten Commandments. Those Ten Commandments are the base off of which everything else was built. So everything right. else we read are workings out of those ten. Uh, so inside the ten, you got theological laws, and then you got practical laws that relate to other people. And so inside that, you've got there's there's ceremonial religious law. There's there's law for civil society, um, and then and then there's ethical laws to govern people living together yeah. for their general welfare for their for their flourishing so 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 maybe at a very high level government exists to facilitate human flourishing and proper management of all of creation maybe that's a good working definition government exists for human flourishing subduing and managing stewarding creation well and and for and for all of the flourishing of of humans and creation together government should exist for that purpose mm-hmm. um that's that's ideal right that's ideal um then how does that work itself out is it a one person government do you have a is it a monarchy um is it going to be an oligarchy which is like many like a small group of people who oversees is it a representative government um i think one of the things that i find interesting is even inside our own country there's debate on whether or not we're a democracy or a democratic republic. I think some people falsely believe we're a democracy. Oh, I think a lot of people believe that. We're not a democracy. This is not a democracy. Democracy is simple majority rules. Our government is set up so that a majority can't rule over the rest. That's why we have an electoral college, Mm -hmm. which it's frustrating at times because there have been times my candidate one got more votes like they got more votes but the other candidate won the right votes yeah <laughs> and, and and therefore they got elected it's a whole system of checks and balances which i think is actually pretty brilliant but it brings brings up the question if government's task is for human flourishing and for stewardship of the created order what how does government work itself out what does it do? And and so for Christians, that's where we have to start. What does the Bible say? Who God is, who mankind is, and what is mankind's f- purpose and function on the earth? And from that comes the necessity of government. Yeah, no, I think that's that's a great perspective. It's a great way to look at it. And to be honest, when we look back at like the history of our nation, like I believe our founding fathers have this intention in mind that's when we yeah. created things like one nation under god there was you know the reason they were pulling away from england and this you know tyrannical rule you know of the king over there they just i don't want to live under that we want a place where people can be free right. but also that we can follow these these sets of rules and the government's job is just to kind of enforce those make sure that people are in line with that not to dictate how people live but to provide them freedom to live under this dominion of law and under and, and and that law being under the overarching yeah you know leadership of God it was a faith community and obviously that doesn't really exist anymore 
Um, right. They created separation of church and state, which I don't think is a, necessarily a bad thing, but we've twisted even what that means. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of on my next. When we talk about government, um, I mentioned in, in part of the law of God was governing how people worshipped um, to keep them from worshipping other gods. Mm-hmm. Um, separation of church and state is something that is unique, particularly for our governmental system that I think a lot of people misunderstand. Um, Separation of church and state, separation of religion from state is not an innately bad idea. Um, That comes from, interestingly enough, um, now I'm sure historically there have been um, lots of discussions uh, in human history about the role of religious affairs and governmental affairs, Particularly for us, that really came out of the Radical Reformation, 1525, 1525 really, um, you, you get, um, it's January 20th, January 21st, I jokingly say as a good Baptist, it's when the real Reformation happened, it's not October, when Luther, those guys, Luther never intended to abolish the Catholic Church. Um, the only reason Luther didn't stay Catholic is because they threatened to kill him, kicked him out. So Lutheranism's born. You got Calvin, you got Luther. Um, those guys, those guys sort of set the stage for what happened next uh, in January um, uh, fifteen twenty five when the Anabaptists rebaptized themselves on the conviction um, that you should only baptize repentant believers and really pioneered the idea of the separation of church and state because at that time the Reformation, um, the Luthers and the Calvins believed in a robust combination of the state and the church, that they worked together. Um, You had the Holy Roman Empire. And under that, uh, there was a whole lot of corruption. Mm. These guys believed, and rightly so, I believe, because it was the state that was combined with the church that began to murder them. So state-sponsored execution of people who rebaptized themselves. And so therefore, what you had was you had the reformers uh, tying the hands and feet of uh, believer-baptized people together and drowning them in the rivers, calling it their third baptism, jokingly, sponsored by the state. And so when you when you get that movement in, in Baptist tradition of separation of church and state, that does not mean that the state, doesn't recognize nor integrate faith into itself. That's not what it means. So when people say um, separation of church and state, you can't let kids pray in school, that's not what that means. That's an overreach on the part of the government. What they mean by separation of church and state is the state does not dictate the church. The state doesn't pick pastors. The state doesn't dictate budgets. The state doesn't dictate reach. Nor does the church appoint governors, nor does the church appoint presidents. The church doesn't appoint representatives. That's a separate function. I'll die on that hill. I'll take up I'll take up weapons to defend that because I am not going to allow the state to dictate who serves in our church because if that were the case, they would dictate people of a different sexual orientation, mm-hmm. people of different gender ideologies, be hired in our church to represent what they believe order should be. I'll die on that hill. Yeah. And so separation of church and state means state doesn't run the church, church doesn't run the state. It does not mean that people inside the state can't be people of faith. Right? 100%. So 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 people are clear when we're talking about government and faith, we're talking about a government's task should be to rightly recognize 
freedom to believe and provide that freedom for everybody in the government, everybody outside of the government. So even in we're talking government, we're now talking about government and faith issues. And so part of government's task is for the flourishing of everybody, not just people of the preferred faith. Mm-hmm. And so a government's task should be human flourishing on the earth and then allow faith systems to do that freely. Because as Christians, we believe that Jesus is going to win that. Yeah. And so part of government's task is to provide freedom for human flourishing at the religious level. That's a super nuanced issue, but that's part of government's task is freedom for human flourishing. Yeah, no doubt. And and you're right. And it's, it's interesting now, too, because the same people who are fully against someone who is a Christian being in a political role, whether it's president or senator, are the same people who are – you know, let's just use Biden, for example, like same people that are using his attending church or the, his profession that he's Catholic or a Christian as, as like a good thing to argue like his right. candidacy or his qualifications. And I'm like, well, you can't have both, you know, and, and right. while it would be nice to have people of faith and, and, and be careful what I say here because I don't want to, I can't determine whether or not someone's actually a believer or not. I can only right kind of judge by what i see and what i hear but it would be nice to have people of faith in those roles and then because hopefully using that as a guideline but what we've seen a lot now is even in the church more churches and more pastors are being driven by political agendas right and i um, mean we saw this recently even in the southern baptist convention with who was going to be the president and churches that you know wanting one candidate who was very pro Trump or whoever it might be. And it's just, it's getting scary now. Cause it's now, it's not, it's no more like we need more Christians in, in government. It's now it's, mm. you know, right. Government is driving biblical decisions or, or church decisions, not biblical decisions. We, right. We're kind of flip flopping that around and using the wrong sources to make our decisions and to, uh, so yeah, it's just, it's a scary thought. Um, yeah, absolutely, and I just I'm concerned about that and and it continuing. Absolutely, it it's something to be concerned with, concerned about. I want to introduce people to um, uh, Abraham Kuyper. Abraham Kuyper uh, took government seriously. He's a Dutch Reformed elder in the Netherlands. This is in the eighteen late eighteen hundreds, turning of the century into the nineteen hundreds. Um, when you talk about government, um, we're talking about Again, the, the the concept of oversight, human flourishing, subduing, managing creation for the flourishing of human beings and the flourishing of created order. Um, Abraham Kuyper, I was a Dutch Reformed elder in the Dutch Reformed Church, and Kuyper became the prime minister of the Netherlands because he he understood the role of government to be that human flourishing. He developed this idea of, of sphere sovereignty. And uh, and and I, I think there's brilliance. I, I just want to recommend a good book for people. It's called The Contours of the Kuiperian Tradition. Um, and so get the book and read it. It's actually a fascinating read. It's not super hard to read. Um, but uh, he founded the Free Amsterdam, a uh, Free um, University in Amsterdam of the Netherlands. Now the Free, it's still in existence today. It doesn't rec- it doesn't look like 
what it used to look like. The worldview is not the same that it used to be. But one of the things Kuiper believed was that there were spheres of sovereignty God had handed out over creation, government, economics, agriculture, what we call domains. In our church, we talk, talk about engaging domains of society. Engaging domains of society has roots in Kuiperian government of, of, of understanding how God wired the universe to work. So Kuiper believed God had ordained spheres um, of sovereignty, and they should not blend over into each other. So he believed that the church, he, he believed the church had a sphere. Um, he believed government had a sphere. He believed uh, all all these places, these these functions of spheres, they they operated independent of each other, but they still were interdependent. Mm-hmm. And so education had its sphere. And so one of the things that he believed is if these spheres work in balance together. Uh, and, and qualified people oversee them, you can have human flourishing. And so he sought to implement this and was very successful for a long for a period of time as a prime minister of Amsterdam. And so it's worth the read to see how a Christian taking a, a view that we would very much share of what government looks like and implementing it at a governmental level and at an education level. And so I think there's a lot there to uh, unpack but the idea was very important for Kuiper. He rejected um concept of popular sovereignty, um, that, that there should be sovereign rule by, by popular governments, but there should be shared sovereignty in these spheres and, and working together. And I think there's a lot there to to unpack. But Abraham Kuiper, he's the one famously for saying, there is not a stitch of creation, I'm paraphrasing here, over which Jesus Christ, the creator, does not say mine. And so Kuiper believed that everything should be brought under the rule of the order of the Lord Jesus. And so I think one of the things Christians should think about, particularly in, in government, is buttoning things up, um, things being tight, um, because God created it that way. And part of our task in government is to bring order for human flourishing, for the creation, and for, for people and make it tight. And so Abraham Kuiper is worth, worth digging into in theories of government. And so it's worth the read. So what about politics? Yeah, so I got, and I have some takeaways later that I kind of give some feedback on some of that, but I feel like politics, obviously it's a hot button agenda right now. It's it's just hard to have conversations with anybody politically um, that you don't agree with because there's just, and then I think Christians, this is where we're getting into a lot of trouble as Christians and why the church is getting a bad look on some of this is because Christians in particular are struggling to have these conversations because number one, we're not listening to other people. We're just telling. And then we're trying to use the, we're trying to use the Bible to justify our political beliefs and oftentimes even bending biblical truths to kind of fit that narrative. And I feel like when you start to do that, number one, that's not the intent of the scriptures. Right. But that's when I mentioned earlier where it kind of feels like, Almost, this is becoming politics is becoming its own religion, right? You know, it's we we we're just leaning more heavily left or right, so it's becoming a world of extremes. And the Bible doesn't work that way, right? Because the Bible is very clear on th- right. on things for the most part. And so, when we do that, we not only people are not only diluting the word, but they're forgetting all the context, and they start to mislead others, right? And so, it's just it's dictating. Their character is dictating how people view Christians because it's like, well, I've got to, I've got to have a say so in this, and I've got to tell you what I think, 
I don't really care what you think is you're wrong because I'm a Christian. Right. And I think the the opposite of that is true too. It's like, well, you're a Christian, so you're wrong because mm. you're only and it's and there's not any meshing together. You know. And so when I get my takeaways, I'll give some feedback and some encouragement in that area. But it's it's just a bad it's a bad world right now. And right. you know, we've gotten everything is like you know, Twitter and clickbait journalism is now the new Bible. Right. For the world. Right. Right. And politicians are the pastors. Yeah. And that's that's good. Not only backwards, but it's dangerous. Yeah. That's a good <laughs> observation of exactly how it's functioning. I think it's good. The word politics is actually it, it's root, it's a Greek word. And and the Greek word politica is it basically means the affairs of the city. Poly many. Um so meaning a city has multiple affairs that need to be governed. So politics should really function as a subset of government. Yeah. So you have government's jobs, oversight and management of creation and people for their flourishing. So I think I've said that like 27 times, but that's kind of rooted in me. I'm a, I, I'm, I'm very Kuiperian for anybody want to get nerdy, um, which means I, I, I could personally, and just me as a Christian, I'm, our form of government is still a couple hundred years into the experiment. It's brand new. Yeah. Like what we have as a form of constitutional democratic republic is unique on this on the set of human history. And I like it. I'm a fan. But I could also go with a a very ethically, morally upright monarch. Um I, I'm I'm not against that. I, I think there's precedent for that in the Bible. In fact, the God is referred to as King. Mm-hmm. So you have a good King. And there's good examples in history of good Kings who rule well. Yeah. And there's some examples of bad Kings who rule poorly, and a lot of people die. That's because people are sinners. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you talk about politics, politics is really a subset of governance. So government's job. Oversight, management, creation, and people for their flourishing, for creation's flourishing. Yeah. Politics is how you execute. It's the tactical implementation of a government's philosophy. It's kind of it's the affairs of the city. And when you get down into that, politics isn't a bad word. Yeah. It's turned into a bad word because it's not about the management of a city. It's about the keeping of power. That's where we're off the rails. So as, for a Christian, politics should not be a dirty word. It should be, Chris, what do you believe about water management in northwest Georgia? Because we're water rich. So how do we manage the water resources? We have three rivers. We have two. We have the, we have the Ustinal and the Etowah that merge into the Coosa. We have a system of dams. The Coosa River runs all the way into Alabama and all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. Mm-hmm. How do we manage water so that northwest Georgia flourishes, particularly the city of Rome, county of Floyd, in Northwest Georgia, and how do we manage it so that people downstream of us also flourish? That's a good question. Yeah. What about Atlanta? Which, by the way, we sell water to Atlanta. This is, this is actually a political issue in Northwest Georgia is uh, because of downstream lack of flow and water in, in, in the drier seasons. Us selling water to Atlanta, which we do, should Atlanta then be responsible for treating that water and pumping it back into the source it comes from so that downstream of the Etowah and the Ustanala that formed the Kusa, so those people have that water, or what Atlanta does is they treat it and dump it into the Chattahoochee. And so that's actually a political issue, and that's a that used to be a super hot-button issue around here, and I think yeah. it still is. It's just moved on, but that's politics. And so there, there's multiple arguments. Well, I think Atlanta should be responsible for treating their own water and pumping it back up here into the Ustanala so that downstream flow and the muscle population in the Coosa River flourishes. That's 
I think I agree with that, right? Atlanta's like, we're not spending money to pump it back to you. We've, we bought the water from you. Y'all deal with it. That's a political issue. That's politics. Yeah. But unfortunately, rather than debating that and coming up with a solution, it turns into a power play. Somebody getting money under the table somewhere to vote a certain way. That's the game. Unfortunately, human sin has caused the affairs of a city to turn into political play for game for gain of power and gain of finances as opposed to what's good for creation and good for human flourishing. But politics isn't a dirty word. It's human centers turning it into a power play. So politics should be actually very interesting. It should be this, and, and agree with you. That's that should be the topic. The topics of discussion is things like that, things like education, and and mm-hmm. how do we approach that? The problem is that's not what gets votes. What what what's so yeah. what politics has become is, you know, gay and transgender rights, and your how you feel about that, critical race theory, and 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 race issues, yeah. and pro life or pro choice. Anything outside of that right now, and I, maybe I'm missing some, but those seem to be the ones that are most. It's and so it's not, and it's not really even about like how do we govern even those things. It's just what do you feel about that, and if you feel this way, you are a bigot or a racist or a homophobe or whatever. Yeah. And if you feel the other way, then you can't be because you can't be a Christian and feel this way. Yeah, you you know, and it's so I feel like that it's just become so. Focused on that, and why? Because it's about power, right? And it's about money and, and agendas. Because money and agendas are driving those the so, two sides of the coin. That's right. And That's so right. we can say, yeah, we have a president. That president ain't making all those decisions. Let's no. be honest. And then you know we flip out over like who has control of the house or the senate. And this has been going on for a long time. This isn't new. But what's happening now is like, okay, who was president and who was senator before? That didn't work out. Let me find the most opposite person I can, yeah. even though the person, the only the only reason they're running is because, and they have to focus on those issues. They might, we might have a candidate who really cares about that water discussion, but we're not going to hear it from that because that's not what. Yeah, because that person may 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 be on the wrong side of who they voted for, not because their view on returning water to Floyd County is good for Floyd County and good for people downstream of us is because they voted for Trump. Right. Well, we've got to oppose that because he's a Trump guy or he's a Biden guy. It's like, what? that has nothing to do with the affairs of this city. And so and you get down to the more granular level. Like, it, it, we have to ask this theological question. I'll throw a big term, but theonomy. Mm-hmm. Theonomy is the belief that religious law should be the law of the land. Um, and there's actually... Huge segments of Christian, I say huge segments, that, that's over, that's, that, I don't think it's huge. I think there are, uh, there is a growing segment of Christian population who believes that the proper government and political implementation of government should be the law of the Old Testament. That's called theonomy. And so, nomos, law, theos, God, the law of God becoming the law of the land. Um, that's an interesting discussion. I just throw it out there, I'm not a theonomist. Um, I, I don't believe the purpose of the law in the Old Testament was to become the law of every land. Um, Galatians, I think, makes that pretty clear. The law was our teacher, was our tutor to lead us to Christ. Uh, Romans 10, uh, Jesus is the end of the law for salvation to everyone who believes. And so, um, but that doesn't mean the law still doesn't serve a redemptive purpose. There are, in fact, you can historically 
draw the lines from the law of the Old Testament to its effect on Western civilization. Mm-hmm. From the collapse of the Roman Empire and the establishment of the Holy Roman Empire um, to multiple civilizations rising and falling during that time, the impact of particularly the law of the Old Testament and in particular Christianity and, and the the Christian interpretation of the law has affected Western civilization to the point that uh, many of our laws, including particularly murder um, and manslaughter, reflect the Old Testament law. And so when you get into government, government oversees law, law is a sphere. Uh, Kuiper would say it's a sovereign sphere. Uh, so government oversees law. Law has to be fair for everybody. And Western civilization has been affected by the Old Testament, where there's a distinction between murder one murder two, and manslaughter, which is accurate and good. It makes sense because it came from the mind of God. And so there are places that what the Bible teaches are accurate and good and should be used. There are ceremonial laws about mixed fabric clothing. Probably shouldn't be the law of the land because both you and I right now are wearing mixed fabric clothing and we would be in violation of of a law. And so there are certain things not to be implemented, but then that, that, that raises the question, what do you implement? So what is a Christian's job governing the affairs of a city and the implementation of what they believe is a Christian? So I'm going to throw that to you, Chris, so you tell us what to do, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I'll let you get the emails. Well, before I get to kind of those takeaways, I think to kind of answer that question is it's this is why it's so important that Scripture dictates our worldview as Christians, not allowing our world, not allowing an outside, you know, agenda to worldview right. dictate how we live as Christians. And it's kind of so making sure we have that in the right priority. That's right. In place. So, um, so my first takeaway today, and, and some of these have to deal with how we approach po- political discussions with other people and yeah. also how we are to act in that sphere, in that yeah. world. And so the first one is, be quick to listen and pray, but slow to speak and post. <laughs> I'm sure if James had re- could redo James 1, 19-21, he would add you know, posting in there too. But yeah. he says, my dear brothers and sisters, understand this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for human anger does not accomplish God's righteousness. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, Humbly receive the implanted word, which is able to save your souls. So using more words doesn't mean more influence. Sometimes talking more doesn't doesn't always benefit things, especially if it's outside of the realm of what Scripture is teaching. And so yeah. we've got, if we want others to listen to what we have to say, we have to be listening to them. doesn't mean we have to agree with them, right? but we need to listen and we need to give respect to their viewpoint. And this is why the gospel is lived out through relationship. And so you build that relationship and having those discussions with people who see differently than you, right. as opposed to just before you even walk in the room going, Oh, I know oh, they voted for Biden. I can't, or they voted for Trump. I can't right. trust anything else. They say, right. Cause we are not who we vote for. And we've got to be rid of that. Mm, that's I good. I wish I don't know that that's going to happen, but yeah, we need to, and that's just, that's not even Christians. That's everybody. Right. Stop judging people by who they vote for. That's right. It's not who they are. That's right. That's good. Um, and then obviously prayer should be a big part of that. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Pray for our leaders, whether you agree with them or not, and then pray for opportunities when you have those discussions that you would do it the right way. Mm, good. Uh, number two, choose the theology over ideology. 
And so what does that mean? Theology is defined as a study of the nature of God and religious beliefs. In other words, it involves the thoughts we have about God, in particular to what we know about him from what he says in his word. Ideology is defined as a system of ideas and ideals, especially one which forms the basis of economic or political theory and policy. So it's, in other words, it's the lens through which we look at the problems of the world around us and especially those that are political and economic in nature and the way in which we propose in theory to resolve those problems. So when we focus all our energy on ideologies, they tend to begin shaping all of our views and beliefs mm. when that's kind of our mindset. But for Christians, what we believe should begin and end with the word. First Corinthians 3, 18 and 22, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God, since it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders, for everything is yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the word of life, or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. Everything is yours and you belong to Christ and Christ belongs to God. Mm. Um, So yeah, just... Theology over ideology. It's not wrong to have ideas and ideals and beliefs, Mm -hmm. but that cannot reign over our theology. That's good. That uh, theology shaping your ideology. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Not. And if 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 you don't do it that way, the opposite will happen. Yes, that's exactly right. That's a huge point. If your theology doesn't rule your ideology, your ideology will then turn around and shape. You will make God in your own image, Mm -hmm. and and that is one of the essences. Uh, many essences of idolatry it's yeah. creating God in our image right. and letting the spirit of the age uh, the the uh, gods of this world affect uh, and we read it back onto God well, that's one of the reasons people read back onto God aberrant sexual practices well God advocates for that because you created God in your own image you put words in his mouth 100% uh, and that's the overarching problem right now. It's it's everyone's going to give their life away. We all worship something. Yeah. And if it's not Christ, it's going to be something else. Yeah. And you can't serve two masters. That's right. That's right. Uh, number three, representing Christ well is more important than being right and being heard. Uh, Paul reminds us in Second Corinthians five twenty that we are ambassadors of Christ. So every aspect of our lives, politics included, should be a part of that pursuit to honor and represent Jesus in all humility and in truth. And again, I see way too often believers this abrasive approach to political discussions, and that only ends up corroding relationships, burning their witness. Um, I had a friend of mine not too long ago who is a believer and went to school with him, and um, I made a comment about a um, debate. I think it was a vice presidential debate, and I was talking about how I was impressed with Mike Pence and how he um, handled that, and how I felt like he was a, doing a better job than. Kamala Harris, and at, they're in that debate, not talking about life, not talking about their beliefs, just about that debate. And I get this message, like, how, you know, just reaming me. How you? How are you a Christian? And and it was all about like Trump and all these different things. And I was just, I was like, well, number one, I took time to before I responded because I wanted to respond in kind. But I was just like, this is what we're doing now, right? Like, I, I can't even make a comment about something I watched on TV because it's political nature without someone saying what well, because. Because I said something positive about Mike Pence, that must not mean I'm not only I'm a Trumpster, but that I must that I okay with everything he says and does, and right. I support everything. And again, it goes back to that thing: we've got to stop 
treating people like that and yeah. approaching conversations like that. Yeah, that's good. That's good. You want to come to me and say, well, I noticed that. Do you, you want to ask me questions? Then we can have a conversation. Right. Absolutely. Uh, and it's my job in those moments to make sure that I represent Christ well. That's good. Number four, choose trust and peace over chaos and panic. You know, so when Obama became president, people were saying the world would end. We heard the same happen when Trump became president. We heard the same thing when Biden became president. It's it's kind of like, oh, the world's over now. You know, right. These people are in charge. Um, we heard it in senator races on both sides. Uh, we heard it when control of the Senate and the House were up in the air, but yet here we stand. And it's just a reminder the Christian life is about trust and resting in the peace that King Jesus is reigning on his throne, and there's nothing that can happen here to change that glorious truth. Mm. So we can rest in that, be free in that. Isaiah 26, you keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. And then in verse 8, it says, In the path of your judgment, O Lord, we wait for you. Your name and remembrance are the desire of our soul. Mm. So if we hold fast to him, he'll hold fast to us. And and finally, and this kind of goes to a point you made earlier. It's, uh, my last takeaway is kingdom over nation. And there's nothing wrong with being patriotic and loving your country. And that's why I want to make sure that's clear. It's, that's, Absolutely. It's not you can be Christian and a patriot. Like Absolutely. you said, uh, I believe that I am. I certainly am. I appreciate our military. I, I love the country I live in. I want to see it do well. Yep. But I also have to remember the words of Paul in Philippians three twenty and 21. Our citizenship is in heaven, and from it we await a Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. So no earthly citizenship, whether it's American, Russia, Chinese, has any ultimate allegiance over those who are in Christ Jesus. Our political allegiances are to him. So no party, no nation, no ethnicity, no ideology has any ultimate claim on us. Our decisive constitution is the word of God, not a human document. Doesn't mean we ignore the human document or the human rulers. I think that's that's really important to that's not what I'm trying to say here. But our first allegiance comes to him and he he rules over us and when we keep that priority the right way um that's really how it's intended to be mm. colossians 1 13 he has delivered us from the domain of darkness transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins mm. um, and our, that kingdom first identity it's going to frustrate those who want us to be reliably on their side of political issues no matter what like that's yeah. going to frustrate and it's it, even as we may frustrate people when we live out that identity we will bless the nation in which we reside and we'll make his name more famous in the process. So it's getting that priority. It's not ignoring politics. It's not ignoring those discussions or government. It's yeah. funneling them in the right order. It's good. That's good, man. Um, here's my, here my, these are more free flowing. It's less, uh, less uh, like a several points. Um, but it all begins with the kingdom of God. Um, God is the king. The Bible presents him as the king. Um, Whether we realize it or see it or not, the kingdom of God is present. Jesus was clear about that. God is the king. Every other ruler on the face of the planet, regardless of their place in the chart, on the flow chart, um, high or low, whichever direction you want to go with it, sits as a co-regent. Whether Christian or not, God has wired every human being with a different skill set. Some he's wired for government, some he hasn't, but everybody plays a role. God's the king. Yeah, Sin has interrupted that, makes it harder. Um, therefore, particularly for Christians, our task is to not shun government, to, but find 
ways to be involved in government. So I want to say to the folks who listen to this, if God has so gifted you with the skill set to be in government, run for office. Mm-hmm. Um, I, haven't, I haven't even put that out in my mind. Maybe later on, um, local government is a way to be a Christian, yeah. is govern, be part of the solution. Because what we understand is there's coming a day where the kingdom of God will fully and finally be established from the curse of sin, and God himself in Jesus Christ, the second the second person of the Trinity, the eternal Son of God, will be physically present. He's going to return. He will bring all things back under his rule, and he will sit as king on his throne forever and ever, and there will be kings under him who will rule nations and bring the wealth of the nations back into the eternal city to present to Jesus the way it was designed to do in the first place. And so, therefore, one of the ways we practice our faith is to get involved in government now because the increase of his government will know no end, Isaiah says. Jesus is the fulfillment of Isaiah 9, and the increase of his government will go and grow and grow. And one of the ways we participate in that is by getting involved in government. Now, what that doesn't look like is Christianizing everything. Yeah. What it does look like is working for the flourishing of people and created order. Meaning, my task isn't to bow to Republicans or Democrats, but by bow the knee to the King of the universe, Jesus Christ, and his future reign, and I work for that day. Yeah. And, and, and if they shun me on the Trump, if they shun me on the Biden or whoever, whatever, my goal is to represent Jesus and human flourishing mm-hmm. and creation flourishing. That's my task. And so if we shun that by continuing to put in office people who ignore that, whether and, 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 and people on the right and left ignore that. People on the right think it's conservatism. Well, guess what? Conserving what? What are you trying to conserve? I think I'm a conservative, but I'm trying to conserve some things. I don't think any of them could tell you what they're trying to conserve. No. Are you trying to conserve the rule of Jesus Christ? Well, I don't know. Are you trying? What are you trying to conserve? Liberal's not the answer. <laughs> what are you liberal? Well, if you're liberal about sexual ethics, then God's not into that. So what we do is we bow the knee to Jesus, and we work for human flourishing and the flourishing of created order. And so people have to get involved in that. Then they have to learn to work in the public square. Yeah. Meaning, I'm not Christianizing. I'm working for the good of all humans, regardless of their faith or non-faith background. Public square is something that most Christians today have lost the ability to do. We've turned good government into an evangelistic event. The goal of government isn't necessarily evangelism. That doesn't mean that I don't evangelize while I oversee. But my task is human flourishing and the flourishing of created order because that's innately godly. Yeah. That's where it started. That was Adam and Eve's job before there was sin. So there was no evangelism to be done. Nobody had sinned yet. God sent them on a mission to flourish as humans. Flourishing creation. Therefore, government's task is to function in the public square, meaning I need to be able to work with Muslims, I need to be able to work with Jews, I need to be able to work with atheists. Because politics is, again, the affairs of a city governed well for human flourishing and created order flourishing. So that means i got to work with everybody. Yeah. I need to be able to find a way to do that. Next, I will say the way you do that is never compromise your faith. You never compromise your faith. You never give up on your distinctives. That's part of the problem. One of the reasons we have extremism is because people have given up their distinctives for a whole new set of 
dark distinctives. Mm-hmm. What you do when you come to the table is you highlight what you believe. I'm a Christian. I'm a Trinitarian theist. Jesus is the eternal Son of God. There's one way to heaven, and that is through the shed, spilled blood of Jesus Christ. He's buried. He was resurrected. He ascended. And he is ruling the universe now, and through repentance and faith, you can know him. I'm never going to give that up. The Bible is God's word. It's infallible. It's true. Never going to give that up. But what I'm going to do in the public square is highlight that and love people who disagree at the same time and let them highlight their distinctives. And when we learn to do that, we can work for flourishing. Mm -hmm. And what we'll find is we have a lot more in common than we don't. Yeah. And what I firmly believe is when, because, and this is the next part of that is freedom is innate in the nature and character of God, and it's innate in the nature and character of humans before the fall. So freedom is huge. In fact, you go through places in Samuel, there are places where God lets them make decisions that determine certain ends, meaning our freedom to act rightly has consequences that matter and meaning Christians ought to get involved and make decisions that matter because there are some ends that are determined by our godly decision making. Yeah. And so and so freedom's good for everybody. I'm a huge advocate for freedom. Um and and for human flourishing. Now we get down to the weeds how to implement that, that's another podcast, but freedom's good for everybody. Yeah. Uh, it's a public square thing. And then um work to establish good order. Uh, because what we find is in Jesus' parables, he's telling us he's returning, and he's given everybody various gifts. And he's going to come at an hour that we don't know. So he says, stay awake. Be ready. And then he tells this story about calling people to account in the judgment. And and, and I think in Jesus' parables, some of them he's, he's dealing with his people, and some of them he's dealing with everybody. Matthew 25, you got the sheep and the goats. You got you got the virgins, the five wise, five foolish. And I think what the picture we get, particularly when we get to the end of the revelation, is Jesus is bringing humanity to account. Yeah. And he's going to say, I gave you this. What do you do with it? Oh, Master, I had two. I made two more. Good job. Well done. And there are going to be some say, well, I knew you are a hard man. <laughs> so I kind of hit it in the ground, waiting for you to come back. Here's what's yours. And and the Lord goes, wicked, evil servant. You knew I was hard. You ought to put it in the bank and at least give me some interest back with it. Cast him in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. And I, I think the lesson in that is the servant clearly didn't know his master because he's not hard. Yeah. He's, he's so kind, he gave him <laughs> a talent with a year's worth of wages. Right. Gave me years worth of wages. Unkind, harsh people don't give away their wages. He didn't know his master. And those who didn't know and abused his system are cast in the outer darkness where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. So there's a component of God's going to call the whole earth to account for what they did in governing his creation. Mm-hmm. Now, those who follow Jesus, it's a different judgment. Those are separated in the text, but he's coming again and his kingdom will be established and his government will finally and fully be established. And therefore, as a result of that, um, us knowing that day is coming, we should strive for good government. And if we don't want to get personally involved, we, we vote for people who are for order and flourishing in the creation 
uh, and among humans. And we don't shun politics, but we engage and we help redefine the affairs of the city. Don't shun it. Redefine it. Don't play the power games. Bring up the issue. Trump, Biden, what about water? What about water being returned to its source in Floyd County? What do you think about that? I didn't know it was an issue. Bummer. Let me tell you about it. And get people thinking about the affairs of a city. And if we will live where we are, work for the flourishing of humans and created order where we are, get involved, um, we might just see evangelism then begin to happen. God, Christians care. You're pretty smart. You can think granularly. You can think about the flourishing of everybody. You like Muslims, Jews, atheists. You like everybody. You love people well. That's pretty good. There must be some validity to what you believe. Yeah, there is, because Jesus is the eternal king of the universe, and I believe he's coming again, and I want to present to him something worthy when he returns. And so if we can take that attitude among ourselves, we'll be good citizens, but we'll also find ourselves producing at some point, hopefully, good government officials who don't play the power games but oversee well use politics appropriately, and uh, see a little bit more of the advancement of the kingdom of God on earth as we await the return of the Lord. I'm done. You got a last word? I, I think you nailed it. I think that's that's the true point there is don't we don't have to avoid politics. We don't have to avoid government. Get involved in some manner and then help be a part of that change as opposed to just hoping the next person that gets in is going to do that. Amen. Hey, guys, we appreciate you listening to Theology in the Dirt. You can send us an email, theologyinthedirt at gmail.com. Let us know what you think. Let us know topics in the Christian life you'd like for us to talk about. And if you want to support the podcast, there are people who are beginning to do that. You can find it down there on the old Spotify page. You can click that link, go there, and support it if you want to. And uh, we appreciate you. Thanks for listening. You guys have a great day. See you next time. Out.